0: Welcome, Harvest Church family, and thank you for joining us this week for our sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged with the message prepared. Right now, let's listen in to this week's message. Becoming a new creation in Christ. How many are glad that in Christ we've been made new creations? Amen? And uh, so i want to talk about what that looks like and what the process looks like. And the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians five 17. I'd like you to read it with me this morning. It says, therefore, say it with me, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation, The old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. We have a butterfly there, and why would you have a butterfly? Well, a butterfly is a new creation. It starts out as a little caterpillar, goes through a process called metamorphosis, and then comes out a a beautiful butterfly. If you will, God has made us a new creation. Right now, we're a new creation. But he's not finished with us yet. He's still working on the final product. And in Christ, he says this, I've begun a good work in you, and I'm going to see it through to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. Uh, and you could actually say, if you like me now, you're really going to like me later because God's at work in my life. Can I get a witness? Amen? In other words, God's not finished with any of us. All right? Turn to your neighbor and say, go easy on me. God is not finished with me yet. Amen? But I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So we're going to talk about that this morning. Father in heaven, we love you so much. Thank you, Lord God, for your word that speaks to our hearts. Thank you for the power in your word and uh, that your, the life in your word, Lord God. I pray that you'll speak to our hearts, change us from the inside out, help us to become the people you've called us to be, and we pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. And all of God's people said amen. 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 If you've got your Bible or your smartphone with you, just say it with me. This is my Bible. The living and powerful proven word of God, a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path, God's holy word on which I stand, and having done all, I'm going to stand on the word of God, whatever the word of God says I am, whatever the word of God says I have, whatever the word of God says I can do, say with me, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, amen, you sound like a bunch of believers, amen, you may be seated. Today I want to talk about becoming a new creation in Christ, and when we talk about becoming a new creation, what we're really saying is this, the old is gone, the new has come. Say it with me right now, the old is gone, the new has come, and one of the greatest stories of this kind of transformation, of becoming a new creation, is the story of Saul, being converted on the Damascus Road or the road to Damascus, found in Acts chapter 9. So, I'd like you to take your Bibles this morning and turn to Acts chapter 9. So, we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts in the New Testament. We've got 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. Start out with the Gospels there Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then we go to the book of Acts. And the book of Acts, it's called the Acts of the Apostles. If you look there, it's called the Acts of the Apostles because it really records the journey and the history of the, uh, of the apostles and their work. But theologians will tell you this. It could have just as well been named the Acts of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament church. And I like that even better. Acts is really the Acts of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament church. So much going on. In fact years ago they used to have a movie called Indiana Jones, you know, and, and, and then you'd have uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and all of that, all those exciting movies, that series. I'm telling you what, the book of Acts reads the same way as that series. It is excitement from beginning to end. I encourage you to read through the book of Acts because it's just so alive and just, just so exciting to go through in your own study. So I'm going to just take a, a, a look here at the, the book of Acts here in uh, uh, Luke, John, Acts. By the way, the book of Acts was written by Luke, Luke the physician, and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of course. And it's uh, it's 28 chapters long, just 28 chapters long. So in the whole of the Bible, um, let me just find the beginning of Acts. You've got this much right here. If I'm showing you my Bible. This is Acts that I'm holding right here between my fingers right here. This is the book of Acts. Very exciting book to read. Now, the Bible is so full of uh, what you can take from the book of Acts. Um, So this is the book of Acts right here that I'm showing you right here. But I'm just gonna grab a book right here and this right here is a commentary on the book of Acts right here. So I've got this right here, and this is written here on the Book of Acts. Not adding to it, but taking from it. In other words, the takeaways from the Book of Acts is contained in this commentary right here. Oh, excuse me, that's only the first volume. There's actually a second volume, and that's there. so you've got it all right here. No, excuse me, there's actually a third volume, and then you've got oh, there's actually a four volume. This right here, this uh, amazing commentary on the book of Acts, exhaustive study, doesn't add to the book of Acts, but it takes, I'm talking about all of the takeaways and all of the things that you can learn. So as deep as you are, God is deeper still. Can I get a witness? His words and his ways are unsearchable, And, and they're so fascinating as well. So this morning, I'm just going to be taking, boy, oh boy, that's a heavy set, right there, And anyway, I'm going to be taking out of the book of Acts. We're going to go to uh, chapter 9. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at just like 22 or 23 verses out of chapter 9. We're just going to go in a row, uh, unpack it. I could actually just kind of uh, give you some exegesis and and explain it to you here without even using the word of God. But I want to use the word of God so you can see it and we can also kind of get some takeaways as well. This is the story of Saul. Everyone say Saul. Saul who would become be soon to become to be known as Paul. And I'll explain that a little bit later. Actually, Saul had two names, Saul and Paul. They're both interchangeable. Uh, Saul was his Hebrew name, um, uh, and then Paul was his Roman name. So you know that Saul was a missionary, or, or an apostle, I should say, sent to the Gentile world to preach the gospel. But he started out in Jerusalem, So in Jerusalem, his name was Saul, but when he got to uh, uh, Rome, then his name was Paul. So you have all the way up to Acts 13. Acts 13 is the turning point where Saul becomes Paul, but a lot of people go like, well, yeah, Jesus changed his name from Saul to Paul. No, that's not how it happened. Saul and Paul are just interchangeable names. Lots of times at that time, they had uh, two names. People would have two names, and his were interchangeable, Saul and Paul. But he used Saul from the Hebrew in in, in, uh, Jerusalem until he got called to the Gentiles in Rome. And by the way, his name Saul was connected to so many things that he was. He was like a person who would come against the church, who would... um, take Christians captive that he it was kind of a good idea that he changed his name to Paul when he went to the uh uh, went to the Romans we'll get to that that's just that was just free information you got that free this morning and you go like, Pastor Perry, I just don't know if I believe that or not. Well, you'll see it in Acts thirteen nine, which we won't be in this morning, but Acts thirteen nine is where you'll see the switch. I'll show you that in a second. Just trust me. So, if you look look up in Google or look up in your commentaries, and you go like, "That's right," I didn't realize that. Now, Jesus changed the name uh, to uh, Peter. You know, Simon Peter, his name used to be called the Rock, and all of that. Jesus changed his name but he didn't change Paul's name. Paul's name was Saul and then he changed it to, to Paul uh, when he went to, uh, uh, to, to Rome. All right, now that I've got you completely, you're not confused, you understood that. All right, sometimes in tradition though, we go like we had bad Saul to good Paul and, and, but Saul was bad, he really was but, but he still had that name but he just decided to use his next name. All right, now that we've spent 10 minutes on that, All right, now, Acts chapter 9 is where the story... Now, here's what we're going to talk about this morning. How many of you remember the Apostle Paul? Wave at you if you've heard of the Apostle Paul. Come on, everybody, work with me. The Apostle Paul wrote, end up writing, 28% of the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul, who used to be a persecutor of the church and then became a proclaimer of the gospel. So he was a persecutor of the church, became a proclaimer of the gospel. But, But how did that happen? Well, it picks it up there. The story picks up in Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was breathing murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Say it with me, murderous threats. He wasn't just talking about we're going to just kind of, you know, beat you up or whip you or do anything like that. He says, no, some of you are going to be murdered and some were because Stephen, the first martyr in the church, was stoned to death by the religious rulers. You'll see that, I believe, in Acts chapter 8. He looks up into heaven and he sees Jesus and he says, while he's being stoned by the religious leaders at that time. He says, Lord, don't hold this to their charge. They don't even know what they're doing. And then he looked up and he saw Jesus. Little did Saul realize that Stephen looked up to heaven and saw Jesus, but the very next person who would look up and see Jesus would be Saul, the one that consented to Stephen's death. Watch this. So uh, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, and he went to the high priest in Jerusalem, all right? He goes to the high priest and he said, he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. All right, so here, uh, I want you to see this. Uh, here's what's fixing to happen in this, in, in this uh, uh, scenario right now. Saul is getting ready to go from Jerusalem to Damascus about 150 miles away. If you go to Jerusalem today, you can go to Jerusalem and then you can find your way up to the Golan Heights so that you'll be up above everything. And when you look up uh, from the Golan Heights you can look down into a valley north and you'll see Syria and if you look off into the distance you'll see Damascus so in other words Damascus is in Syria are you following me right now? So he said he went to the high priest in Jerusalem and said you know we're going to we're going to find the Christians that are in Damascus, we're going to bring them back, and we're going to persecute them for their faith. They'd be beaten, they'd be thrown in jail, and some of them would be murdered. So he's on this uh, uh, journey to Damascus from Jerusalem to try to, you know, find Christians to persecute them. So. He says he asked him for letters. He had to have documents from the priests to be able to do this so he could show the documents to the priests that were in Damascus and said we're coming to get these new Christians. He asked them for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, say it with me this morning, the way. If he found anyone that were Christians or belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So he was looking for people that were following jesus but at that time they didn't have names the names that christian Uh, they they call them christians first at first at antioch the bible says but they were called the way say it with me this morning the way you'll find in the new testament that new believers were called the way five times they were called the way and they took that name because jesus said i am what i am the way the truth and the life how many glad that we're part of the way can i get a witness amen we're the way movement right here. And anyway, before we were called Christians, they were called the way. So are you still with me, everyone? Yes. All right, this is going to get good now. As he neared Damascus, now they're going from Jerusalem down to Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven uh, flashed around him, and this was an encounter from God suddenly a light flashed from heaven. Man, I'll tell you what, God, guys, there are going to be, in your walk as a believer, there will be some suddenlies that happen in your life from God. God will find a way to apprehend you. God will find a way to get your attention. There will be a... God will show up in your life. And here the apo- Saul not the apostle Paul, but Saul had God show up in his life suddenly a light from heaven comes down and flashes right next to him and you'll see that it knocked him right off the horse even the horses were knocked down and the people who didn't know what was going on it's the middle of day it's about noon and this light is coming down just like zzz, just like that and and you know that at noon the light uh, the the sun is very bright right at noon very bright and it was there and how many of you ever driven your car with the lights on during the daytime they don't have a lot of impact right they're on but they don't have a lot of impact because there's so much light around but God comes on the scene and all of a sudden this supernatural light from heaven comes and it's Christ himself and 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 anyway so years ago there used to be a movie called um close encounters of the third kind And it was made by Spielberg, and Spielberg was a movie director. You might have heard of him. And uh, anyway, he had a way of using light in movies in ways that it hadn't been used before, just the intensity of light. And if you watch his movies, you'll see how he uses light to his advantage. It was like that with a spaceship coming down. This was not, though, everyone, a close encounter of the third kind. This was a close encounter of the God kind. Can I get away you're saying, man? And Saul was thrown to the ground, didn't know what was going on. And the Bible says this, he fell to the ground and he heard a voice. And the voice said this, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And this is Jesus speaking. And then he said, who are you, Lord? Saul asked and he says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He replied. So Jesus said, you're looking at Jesus right now. How many know that Jesus can appear in your life any time that he wants to appear in your life? (laughs) This was after the cross. The risen Christ appeared to Paul. And he says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now, you might go like, well, I don't see anything about Paul persecuting Jesus But Jesus was saying to this, you're persecuting me when you're persecuting my people. You're persecuting me when you're persecuting my body, which is the church of Christ. Can I get a witness? Amen. So anytime, I want you to just tell you this morning, everybody, anytime the devil is messing with you, he's messing with Jesus. And Jesus said, I don't want to be persecuted by the devil. And what I'm saying is God has your back because he doesn't want his body to be persecuted. So, Anyway, he says, now get up and go into the city, and you're going to be told what you must do. In other words, he says, get up and go to Damascus now, because you're going to be told what to do. But the men, there were men that were with him as well, and they, and, and, and they were traveling with Saul. They stood there, speechless, because they heard a sound, but they didn't see anyone. So, Paul had fallen to the ground he heard the voice of Christ he saw Christ but the men that were with him didn't see anything they heard a sound but they couldn't even distinguish what the speech was they couldn't hear kind of make it out what was going on so finally Saul you know Jesus says I want you to go to Damascus so he gets up Saul got up from the ground look at verse 8 he gets up from the ground but when he opened his eyes he couldn't see anything So they led him by the hand into Damascus. They led him the rest of the way. It could have been many miles. They led him by the hand all the way to Damascus, but he couldn't see anything because he was blind for three days and three nights. The Bible says for three days he was blind and didn't see or eat or drink anything for three days. I get hungry if I'm without food for three hours. (laughs) How about you? He was blind for three days and three nights and he didn't, he didn't see anything for three days. So he's in a real spot here. And so watch what comes next. Look at verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. Say with me this morning, Ananias. Aren't you glad for other believers out there? And there was a man named Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision. Say with me, a vision. And he said, Ananias? He said, yes, Lord. He answered him. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask a man, from Tarsus named Saul for he is praying ask for a man named name, name, uh, Paul or I should say Saul because he's praying of course he's praying right now he's blind and, and he's just met Jesus now he's praying like God I don't want to be blind what is going on here so Ananias this guy just like you just say your name right now one two three Perry could have called on you he said hey he saw you could have had a vision and the Lord saying hey there's a guy named Saul he's up there in Gulch I want you to go see him. He, he, he's, he's right now, he's blind, but he needs somebody to pray over him so that he'll receive his sight. But at the same time that he prayed this prayer, Saul also had a vision and said, there's going to be a man named Ananias coming to, to pray for you so that you might receive your sight. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Two visions the two men at the same time. How many of you know that we got a God thing going on here? Yeah. So in a vision... he has seen a a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. But then Lord Ananias answered, he said, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. In other words, this guy is bad. We've heard all these reports. We knew that he's coming to Damascus, what? To persecute Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem to be punished or even killed. We've heard about this Saul guy. And by the way, everyone, Saul was bad to the bone. I just got that from a song. It's not original with me at all. He was like bad, bad Leroy Brown. Baddest man in the whole beep town. I didn't say it. Badder than old King Kong, meaner than a junkyard dog. And if you don't know that song, it's just because you're no longer cool. I don't know what to tell you. It's, a, it's an old song by Jim Croce. Some of you people know it. Some of you don't. But I'm saying that, that, that Saul was bad. And he was doing bad things. And he said, we, Ananias says, I know this guy. This guy is bad. I don't even know if I want to go to his house. But he went to his house. And, 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 and he said this. Look at verse 14. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest All who call on your name, Ananias is saying, he's coming here to get these Christians to persecute them. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is a chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. He's a chosen instrument. He said, I know that you think he's a bad guy, but for me, he's a chosen instrument. Hallelujah. And I wanted to say this, that see, because Paul came to to speak to the Jew first and then to the Gentile, He understood Jewish culture. He understood Gentile culture. And God was going to use him to take the gospel to the Gentiles at the time, which means he'd be going over to Rome. But he said, this man is a chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles. I wanted to say here this morning, no matter where you've been or what you've done, God can use you as his chosen instrument for his purposes and his plan just like he did for Paul. You might even find yourself going like, what in the world is God using me for? Why did he pick me? I don't know, but God knows, and God has a plan. He said he's going to be my chosen instrument. And just as Paul, pardon me, Saul was a chosen instrument, so you can be a chosen instrument as well. And it might seem foolish, but Paul even wrote this later, 1 Corinthians 1, 27, just an aside here, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound, the, weak, uh, to confound the, weak, uh, the things of the mighty. In other words, sometimes things don't make sense with us but they make sense with God. Can I get a witness, amen? I don't know how I'm here this morning standing behind this pulpit. I'm just a little kid from North Dakota, Cullum, population 600 They had hello and come back on the same sign, the town's so small. (laughs) One little restaurant in town. I'd never been anywhere, seen anything. But God called me when I was a junior in high school, and here I stand. But I don't have any explanation for it. But he said he can be a chosen instrument, and you can be a chosen instrument as well. And then he said this, I'm also going to show him what he must suffer for my name because Paul would suffer for his name and one day even be poured out. His life would be poured out because his head would be taken from him. He'd suffer for his name. So Ananias went to the house. He was scared to go over there to see Saul. He'd heard all about them. But look at verse 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And he just did obedience, laid hands on him, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then all of a sudden he could see again. The Bible says this, look in verse 18. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again, and he got up, and he was baptized. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he lays hands on Three days have gone by without your sight. He hadn't eaten a thing or drank anything. And he could see again. And he got up. That was a miracle right there. That took place by an obedient believer in Jesus Christ. He did what the Lord told him to do. And there were, a miracle took place. Give the Lord a great hand clap right there. Would you do that? Amen. <laughs> All right. Then. After taking some food. How many are thankful for food? Amen. (laughs) After taking some food, he regained his strength. And then Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Last night, I was feeling weak. uh, And I went to the pantry and I got out some um, Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries. (laughs) And then I put cold milk on it and I ate him and my strength was restored. Hallelujah. (laughs) how many glad for food amen hallelujah i'm gonna have some when i get done here (laughs) i don't know we've got so many choices now canes chicken fingers have you had those yet you got to give those a try and uh they don't have enough sauces like chick-fil-a has a lot of sauces that uh canes needs to learn that we need more sauces than just two and uh in and out burger of course will always work and Oh, my wife. Oh, my gracious. The other day, she made me chicken and dumplings. Oh, it was so good. I mean, she makes the best chicken and dumplings of any I've ever had anywhere. And fresh dumplings boiling on the top with these big hunks of white chicken meat and all this stuff in there, peas and carrots and potatoes. Oh, my goodness. Honestly, Barb, it's so much better than McDonald's, I'm telling you. And... Uh, okay now after taking some food he regained his strength and Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus who at first were going like man I don't even know if we want to be with Saul but okay and then at once he began to preach say with me that right now at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus was the son of God so at that point Saul began loving the things that he hated and hating the things that he once loved It was a transformation that took place. He was a preacher right now instead of a persecutor. And all those who heard him were astonished and said, Isn't this the man who raised Cain or raised Havok in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? Isn't this the one that persecutes Christians, those who are of the way? And hasn't he come here to take them prisoners to to the chief priests back in Jerusalem? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Hallelujah. This transformation on the Damascus road changed everything. And all of God's people said amen, amen. Watch this now. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? Okay, I'm not convinced. Give me a better amen. Y'all with me? Okay, now we go. Okay, good. Now I, I believe you now. Saul went from being one of the most feared persecutors of Christ, or persecutors of Christians, to becoming one of the most powerful proclaimers of the gospel. Did you hear that? He went from being one of the most feared persecutors of Christians to becoming one of the most powerful proclaimers of the gospel. And that's the power of God in our lives that can take us from what we were. The old is gone, the new is come, and Christ can transform us and put us on the right path. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we talked about Saul and Paul being synonymous. In other words, I'll just show you that in Acts chapter 13, verse 9. It says this, Then Saul, who, who is also called Paul, all right, so there, the scripture just shows you right there. Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at the sorcerer that he was you know, confronted with and took authority over him, but it was Saul who also was called Paul. Um, so Saul was his Hebrew name and his Roman name was Paul. And, and then he went to, uh, from that point on, Acts chapter 13 on, you'll only hear him referred to as Paul. And Paul would go on to write 28% of the New Testament, hallelujah. Then he would also share his testimony, in fact, Um, more space is given to this story that we just shared right now than any other story except the crucifixion as far as space in the Bible for one story if you follow me so First of all, Luke shared this story in Luke chapter, uh, in Acts chapter 9 that we read this morning. Luke wrote Acts chapter 9, and he shared this story about Paul. It's a pretty long story. But then Paul shared it again himself in Acts chapter 22 and Acts chapter 26. I don't have time to go there, but he shared his testimony three times. Let me just tell you here this morning, if you've got a testimony, share it because it's a powerful, powerful thing. Can I get a word to say amen? How many of you say that I've got a testimony of Christ's work in my life, right? Whatever it is, great or small, share it. Hallelujah. And Paul, Paul's, uh, that, uh, that road to Damascus would show up in all of his other writings. You know, in the rest of the New Testament, it would show up some way, somehow. In fact, I'll just give you a little for instance here. For instance, Paul would write something like this to the church at uh, the Philippians. He'd say, not that I've already obtained all of these things. In other words, he says, I'm not perfect, but I'm following somebody who is or if I've not arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He says, I, so here's what Paul was saying, and in the King James, it has a better word. He, uh, for me, at least, anyway, in the King James Version, which we don't really read too much anymore. It's usually the NIV or whatever, but he said, I was apprehended by Christ. Now, I'm going to spend my life apprehending the one that apprehended me. Are you following what I'm saying? Isn't that cool? He says, in other words, I was taken hold of by Christ. Now I'm going to spend the rest of my life taking hold of the one that took hold of me. Can I get a witness, amen? In other words, we were, and a lot of, a lot of people says, you know, I found Christ when the truth of the matter is that Christ found him. You know, Paul, Paul didn't say, I found Christ. Christ found him on the road to Damascus. And sometimes you might say, I found Christ, but actually Christ found you. He apprehended you. Somehow he apprehended you. And now, because of our love for him, we're going to apprehend him in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. He says, we're not perfect yet, but, man, I'm pressing on, and I want to apprehend the one who apprehended me in the first place. Does that make sense, everyone? Hallelujah. So that's what we've got to do all the way to heaven, man. We're just going to keep on apprehending the things of God and apprehending the things of Christ. The one that apprehended us, we want to take hold of him like he took hold of us. And then Paul would write something like this to the Romans. This is just an aside because his story would kind of find its way. He'd say, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hallelujah. He says, I don't want you to be conformed to this world. I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hallelujah. Hey, everyone, look at me right now. We need to be less conformed to this world and more conformed to the things of God. Can I get a witness? I'm going to say amen all by myself. Because the world right now can try to squeeze us into its mold I don't want to be squeezed into the world's mold. I want to be squeezed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. How about you, amen? So he says, don't be conformed to the pattern in this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, this transformation that takes place. And that has to do with our opening scripture right now. He says, we're a brand new creation. If anyone's in Christ, he's a brand new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. The old has gone, the new has come. So, give the Lord a great hand clap for that. Would you do that, amen? Hallelujah! Woo! Now, uh, we're getting ready to go eat somewhere. (laughs) But just give me just a few more minutes. Um, I talked about the Apostle Paul being... Apprehended by Christ and being transformed and changed you know he became a new creation just flipped his life his narrative his story his destiny flipped it just like in a turn by just you know uh, that intersection that he had with Christ and but what happened back in biblical days is still happening today and I want to just ask a friend, a friend of mine this morning, Javier Torres, uh, he and his brother uh, attend church here. He and his brother Sergio uh, uh, attend church here. Javier actually used to be a, a, a gangster. And, uh, but he'll tell you a little bit of the story. Uh, they're part of our church family, and they have an incredible story to, to share. And, but just for a few minutes this morning, would you welcome this morning Javier Torres? Would you do that right now?
1: Thank you, Pastor Perry, for again allowing me to share it up in your pulpit. Um, like, like he said, I used to have been a gang banger f- for over a decade, and uh, that's the old me. And I wanted to share the how I became the new by starting by my ch- with my childhood. Uh, right before I even went to uh, kindergarten, So I was born in Los Angeles, California, uh, 1987. I was about maybe three or four years old, and one of my favorite things was to uh, watch, you know, morning cartoons. And I'd just be on my knees and just all brainwashed on the TV, just consuming all those uh, cartoons and watching Ninja Turtles. And, uh, my dad had a certain schedule. He'd always come in really early, and, um, the reason, the reason being is because he'd be out and about at night gang-banging and, uh, selling drugs. So my, my dad was a Southern California gangster. Um, but there's, uh, there's this particular day that I always remembered, and, uh, he just kicked down the door, just kicks down and he just starts rushing in, and I'm excited because my, my mentor always told me that, 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 that a father's a son's first hero and a little girl's first love, and, and that was my hero. I, I, despite the, the, the mean stuff he, you know the, the bad stuff he did, that was my hero, and when I see him come in, I, I got excited, just I'll get up and run, and I just open my arms for, for an embrace, but instead he'll just look at me straight in the eye and just shun me, ignore me. But that didn't stop me. I'll run all the way to the hallway, and I'll try it again. And he just like, no attention. But instead, he would carry a black bag, and in that black bag, he put a white substance on the counter, and he'll spend more time playing with that substance than you know playing with me or you know giving me a hug, giving a hug to his own son. My poor mother would be mad and yell at him, and out of desperation, she would be in the a, in a corner just crying. And I wonder, like, is this, is this my fault? And my, was I a mistake? And, I, and in a young year, I, f- I felt like it was, I wasn't even meant to be there. And like, well, can't even get no attention from my own dad. You know, time has passed. I'm, uh, I'm the oldest one. You know, a, a family of uh, six, three boys and three girls. And um, my dad was a, a bad-tempered guy, hothead. Any little thing, we used to take him off. But my little brother, he was a knucklehead. He loved to pop the heads of the Barbies. He liked to bend spoons for no reason and right right on the walls. And that used to set him off. And he'll line up all six of us in the in, in the in the living room and he, you know, he, my dad's Mexican, so he talks in Spanish and like, meaning, you know, i esto. and meaning no who I wanna know who did this, I wanna know right now. And he would always threaten us like, if you guys don't tell me, I'm gonna hit all of you, and I'm gonna get the thickest belt. You know, I see my dad beat up my mom, and I didn't want, and I and I didn't want the same thing to happen to my siblings. they you know, I'm looking at them, they're you know, they're shaking and they're in tears, and you know, I just I didn't want him to get hurt, so I just step in front and I'm like, I'll, it was me, and and I'll take the beating for them every now and then. Right then, at ten, I would tell myself, like, this is how life's going to be. I need to toughen up and take a beating and once in a while. My mom, my mom probably got tired of that environment. So she decided to grab all of us and bring us to Northern California over right here in Sacramento to start a better life. She, and um, my mom was never a drinker. She doesn't do drugs. Hard-working woman, very responsible. She wanted the best for us. But uh, we, let me tell you, but if you uh, make my mom mad... She's scary. She's more scary than my dad was. I tell you, my dad, I, I, I already, I already at, at an early age, I figured out my dad's pattern. I'm kidding me. He went one, two, and then he'll pause, three. Well, my mom didn't do that. My mom was a berserker. She'll go clap, clap,
0: clap,
1: clap. So you got to watch out for that lady. I've seen her beat up crackheads. so tough lady. I love her. And um, anyway, we, we can't, you know, start living in Calif- uh, Northern California. But like I said hardworking woman, she had to do double shifts she had to feed six mouths and I felt like I lost both my parents they're not there I don't feel no no embrace, I don't feel no love, who who am I going to talk to so I went out out of my way searching love from another place and I was with the the gang and I ended up joining Northern California gang only because of revenge the reason I say revenge is because my father was a Southern California gangster and I wanted to hurt anybody that looked like him or represented the same thing that he did he, was, he used to wear blue I'm going to start wearing red and I'm going to go all out with him I wanted to be a better gangster than he was for over a decade I was doing drive-bys I, I would sell drugs and I ended up doing drugs myself and, um, but there's this faithful faithful, uh, faithful year where um, you know, th- things changed for me it was like, it was a big impact. So, even, let me tell you, even gangsters have uh, days off, or they want to have fun, they want to drink out, or, you know, entertain themselves somehow, they were not always doing drive-bys. <laughs> but anyways, I, I went to get my favorite gun, it was a .357 Magnum, Smith & Wesson, six-shooter, and I, I used to hang out with my older homie, he's, I, I thought thought that was my boy, he's still my boy, but. I used to look up to him. I thought he was a tough gangster. I want to be like him. So we go out, we go to like an open field and we start shooting our guns at night. It, I mean, it looks it looks it looks like fireworks, it looks like lasers flying on the sky. And uh we just come back. Let me show I'll get to it while I share that part. The next day, he comes over to my house and we're kicking it again. Now we have this younger little homie at the time that didn't want to be just like us and wanna show show himself and prove himself. So he just look for trouble on purpose. One day that and so the next day he calls us like, hey man, the enemy's in the is in the vicinity. He's in our hood. I wanna get these guys. They try to jump me. I want my revenge. I'm like, okay. Come get us if you really want it. You want our help, come come and pick us up. So without any without telling anybody, I went I went to my room grab my gun, and I loaded it up. And you know, I'm just thinking to myself, today, I'm going to be more respected. I'm going to be more feared. If I go to prison, it's cool. I made it to the big ladies. I'm going to be a big homie. I'm going to call shots from prison, whatever. I'll take a life for the hood. No problem. So I tucked it in. We get, we get to the spot. We picked up two more guys. I see some young people right here. You know, I want to say something. Bad company, grows good character. You know, show me your friends so I can show you your future. Game-banging is it's a counterfeit. It's like quicksand. It might look safe to walk on, but once you go in it, it's going to be hard to come out. Real friends strengthen your weaknesses, and they brag about your strengths. All right, so on the way over there, so it's a five-on-five. Five. We actually find you guys. So me, me, my, me, me and the older homie are the most aggressive ones. We get out. And it's like, what's up, homie, I mean, where are you all from? And then we start throwing up our sets. They start throwing up their game signs. And we just start rushing. And you know, we start fighting. We get into it. And then one of, one of the guys that I would call my enemy back then pulls out this big old uh, long Rambo knife. And he was, after, he was after my big homie. And I said, you know what? He's not, like, you know what? Are you think going to touch my boy? I used, to, I used to thought that my hood was everything. You know? I used to. I would, I, would, I would shoot for the hood. I would, and I would die for them. But I will spend time. if i had. To, so i run i got in front of him because like, i don't want him to get hurt so i pulled a gun and i squeezed it once I squeezed it twice then four more times now there was no thundering sound there was no flash at the end of the barrel let me make it clear none of the bullets came out all i heard was six clicks that startled me that 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 kind of froze me and uh I shook it off, shook it, and just like get back to sense. And I'm like, "Hey, we need to get out of here. It, it, things got out of hand. We need to. We're gonna get caught. Let's go. Let's dip. Let's dip. We are on our way. Get to the hiding spot. And I see my old man get back to my older home because he seen he seen me operate the gun the day before, and he seen what happened at that moment. But at that time, he was he well, little didn't know. Him. He thought. I didn't lower the gun. So he was really upset. He's like, bro, we're going to discipline you for this. That's a rookie move. We're going to beat you up for making us look bad. So he snatches the gun and when he opens it, he looks at it and he's like, his eyes wide open, mouth dropped to the floor. He's like, that was God, bro. That was God. And I'm like, all, all you do is just talk bad about him. He always said that the Bible's a Disney book and forget him, he's fake, he ain't real and for you to say that, that hit me to the core that hit me really hard but at the same time, my, my anger was overcoming that because I don't want nothing to do with God, like what were you when my mom was getting beat up, what were you when I wanted the love of my father, what were you when three of my homies got shot what were you when I needed comfort, when I seen one of the, when I had to carry one of the coffins? my homie was only 18 what were you For, for three months, I, uh, I was really fighting that. It felt like it was slapping me on the face every day, that moment that happened. So I would intentionally get high every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and I would consume cocaine. That was my thing. I would do it all the time just to forget about that. It feel, feel, made me feel good about myself. But for some, weird, some weird, weird day, I couldn't get a hold of the substance. I was calling everybody I know, and nobody had it. Now I'm in really big trouble because now God has a big hold on me. And I'm just, you know, sober in my right senses, and I'm finally like, oh man. What am I doing? I'm wasting, am wasting my life. Um, I have uh I've been abandoned my children. I have my children of my own. I don't feel I'm following the same footsteps as my dad. So I got on my knees and I said, Lord. I want to. I want to. I, I want you to change me. You know? I want. I want to. to better myself. If this is you doing all this, I want a new life. That's the last thing I said. I want a new life. Crazy thing is that same week, these two ladies was uh, when I was walking down the street, invited me to church, and I and I, t- and I took that as like as a sign. I don't think that was coincidence that random people just come and ask me to go to church. And I said, sure, let's go. And when I go there, then you won't believe what the name of the church was, because the last thing I said, I wanted a new life. The name of the church was New Life. <laughs> it's, it's like God was telling me, you know, that's where your new life is going to start. <laughs> so it's, it's, this, this church, is, uh, it was, it's not as diverse as this. mostly the majority were white people. So when I get in there, I'm just in shock, and I'm looking and looking. <laughs> I'm like, what did I get into? Um, I'm like the only Mexicano here. You know, is this is a cold or Am I gonna get sacrificed? What's going on? What's good? So I'm a little scared, but then yeah, I, the the more I see, there's people worshiping, there's people lifting their hands, they're saying Hallelujah, and, and I'm like, and I'm starting, and I'm starting feeling, you know, a little comfort. I'm starting feeling a little love, and I don't even know why I'm, I don't even know why I'm crying, and. And it was very embarrassing because I'm here like this big gangster, and I'm in front of these two girls, and I'm covering my face. And I don't want them to see me when I'm in tears and just passing me this tissue. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I I don't remember what the message was about, Um, but I do remember what the pastor said at that time. Like, if you you want a relationship with uh, with with, with Jesus, he'll, he'll... forgive you. He'll forgive you for your sins and forgive your past. He'll throw your past as far as east and from the west and the deepest part of the seas and all. And I'm thinking to myself, I've done so much stuff that I should be doing life for. It. And Lord, I feel, I feel, for the first time, I'm feeling guilty. I'm feeling, I'm feeling like very disappointed in myself. And I do want that relationship with you. Yeah, I want that. And the pastor said, hey, if you guys want that, you don't want that relationship with Christ. You want you want to invite him in your life, in your heart. Raise your hand, and I'm looking around and I see nobody raising their hand. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, why would I raise my hand when he could have all of me? So I got off my chair and I said, I'm right here. I didn't I, I didn't care how dumb I looked. I, I just got off my chair, and uh, we said the prayer. Um, that same week, the I mean that same day, the uh, the pastor announced. We're gonna have a guest speaker every day, and, and I encourage you to come. And, and I'm like a little kid, you know. After I received Christ, I tell a lady, "Hey, you think you could uh, take me to these events every single day?" And she's there like, "Yeah, yeah, no problem, for sure. No, we got you." I'm like, thank you. So I, I was showing up, to her, you know, every single day of that week. But on the third day, I can't. I don't remember the message. Sorry. And but I do remember what the what the guest speaker said. He, he actually requested like all the spiritual leaders to come to the altar, and then. I want, uh, and he's like telling them, you know, pray for, just pray for the people. Pray whatever's in your heart to them, and say what you got to say. You know, I, I just feel like just prompting that the spiritual leaders to come pray for them, you know, whoever needs prayer. And I was like, ah, whatever, I don't need prayer. I got Christ. That's enough. That's cool. But the ladies that kept bringing me, like well, the youngest ones, like you should go there. You get, 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 get prayer. I'm like, no, I'm cool. Go to that guy right there. He has the biggest line. I'm like, no, no, he's good. He's great. I'm telling you. And I'm Like, all right, let's go. So I'm there. I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. I feel like I'm waiting for to get on the ride on Six Flags. <laughs> and I'm waiting, and then I finally get to to the person. And uh, he had the biggest smile, and I'm just, like, weirded out. I'm like, dude, you know, come on. Don't look at me like that. And he's like, just it's, it's, it's this tall dude. You know, he's, he's buff. You can tell he does, you know, he looked like an Olympic gold medalist or something. And, um... He raised his hand and then he puts it right on my forehead, and immediately my my elbows locked, my hands start shaking, and as much as I wanted to open my eyes, I couldn't, and I just have tears just falling out, waterfall tears, and then um and he starts speaking about the past pains I had that or what my dad's done to me, and I'm like, who are you, bro? I never talked to you in my life, like are you talking to the feds or what's going on? <laughs> I'm like you oh, tripping? And then um, and it was like very detailed. I'm like, why is that He knows about my dad. He knows about my past. And, and then he said, but you are a man of power. You will share your testimony, which I didn't know what that meant back then. Share your testimony around the nation. You would, you would share the gospel around the nation. You would know scripture and not know the address, which till this day I, I struggle. At that, that, I didn't know what that meant back then. And uh, the last thing he said, very specific, you'll find, a, you'll find a wife, and she'll take care of you. And I'm, like, thinking, like, yes, can that happen today? <laughs> Eventually it did. I got, Lord, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I, didn't, I don't know this guy. I'm just, like, feeling this Crazy love, and I just gave him the biggest, head, the biggest hug that I ever gave anybody. And I went, but at the same time, I wanted to get, out, I to get out of there as fast as I can. So I'm like, "Thank you, bro, I'm out." <laughs> but uh, I couldn't, I could almost imagine this person just running for me and like tapping me on the shoulder. Which, by the way, the man that did that for me was a uh, Dean Johnson. I don't know if he's here right now, but that, that's my, that's my mentor. He's the one that prayed over me and tapped me on the shoulder. And and right there and then, he just. Invited, invited, you know, took me under his wing, and he just wanted to work out with me, and he said, you look like a man that likes to work out. And ever since then, you know, Dean's been taking me to uh, school assemblies where I share my testimony to the students, uh, juvenile halls, um, uh, youth services, church. But <laughs> uh, actually, Dean, uh, last year, he took me to Idaho to share uh, in their uh, state, uh, state fair, their big, their big state fair they have in Idaho, when there was like about 300 people and around like 30 of them were, were led to the Lord. Um, and I'm not here to brag about myself. I'm just here to show what the Lord has done for me and I just want to share my victories. And all that. on top of that, like I said, uh, I was able to find that woman that, that I, I was able to marry, which I'm, I'm going to show her off. Where's she at? <laughs> She's right over there, that's my, that's my, that's my girl. I'm pretty sure she, one of these days she's going to brag about me, like, I'm so blessed to have a man like him. Every time I go to the store, I feel so safe. He just gives them a look, and then they turn around they... No, it's fine. And I'm going to embarrass my kids. Arisa, Karina, get up. Those are my girls. I love them. So when, when COVID started, when COVID started, I led them to the Lord, and they asked me if I could start, do Bible studies with them. And then every weekend, we, we finished, we finished the gospel. We finished, we're on the, we're on, actually, we're on Acts right now, huh? And we've, Genesis, Exodus, we've done, we've read a lot together, and I try my best to raise them in Christ's way. And, uh... <laughs> The first the first two years of my walk was really difficult for me because my brother with my love my youngest brother was still gangbanging and he'll you no know, just talk crap, I mean sorry, talk stuff about me, um, forgive me, forgive me. Uh, he'll just talk bad about me and say, you know, you're phony, I can't believe you're actually following this fake God and all this stuff. And one time he got so irritated he he pulled out a gun on me. And he said, say something about Jesus one more time, bro. See if I'm clapping right here, right now. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you the same thing that God's been telling me since I received him, bro. God loves you. And for some, and just those simple, gentle words, you know, a gentle answer turns away wrath, right? He just grabbed the gun and just put it back in his pocket and walked backwards like something grabbed him. Later, later that, later that month, he, uh. I ended up inviting him to this place called Common, and then that's where he met Dean Johnson, and he he led him to the Lord. The great thing about my brother is, my brother was born with one deaf ear, In that moment when he received Christ, people laid their hands on him, he prayed, they prayed over him, and the hearing's back. And unfortunately, my brother couldn't make it today because he got into a freak accident, uh, he was playing in a fun house, being a big uncle. He landed on his uh, leg in the wrong way and broke it <laughs> badly. So one of his bones actually severed one of his arteries, and one of his foot was dying. So he immediately took him to operation, in the operating room. None of the doctors tell me how serious it was until the next day. My brother said, bro, the doctor said I should be dead. And I'm like, what? But thanks, thank you, thank the Lord he heard our prayers, and Sergio, Sergio got to keep his leg and... He's doing a good recovery. But I'm, just, I'm just here to say, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be in front of you guys. and you know, I'm, not, I'm not locked up doing life in prison or buried six feet under, but that I'm alive and I'm living a life that matters. Thank you.
0: Amen. hallelujah come on over here javier and testimonies like this just absolutely touch my heart you can be seated for a second too i was just going to have you stay standing but go ahead and be seated it's more comfortable and um it just touches my heart because that's what the gospel is all about transformation if any man be in christ he's a brand new creation the old things pass away, behold, all things become new. In other words, the old is gone, the new has come. And um, if we were to give an opportunity for testimonies this morning or any time, there would be all kinds of people who would have testimonies of transformation. Simply stated that what God did back in, old, uh, back in old and New Testament days, God is doing today as well. He's still transforming lives. Thank the Lord for that. And... Uh, So, um, I'm going to use this mic since it's more clear right now. We'll get the other one corrected by next Sunday. Um, But, uh, Javier, I'd just like you this morning just to um, uh, pray for people that want to receive Christ. And um, I don't know how many times you've ever done that before, but I want you to do it this morning. And if you haven't done it before, all the better, because, like you said, you're going to be a preacher of the gospel and you're going to want to be an evangelist that wins people to Christ. So if you're here this morning, all across this uh, room this morning, and you say, I need Jesus and I do need my life to be transformed, I want to become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Um, I want to ask Javier to say anything else that he'd like to say, but then to pray and to lead you in a prayer for salvation. All right, would you do that? (laughs)
1: try <laughs> well, if any of you have got a hold of your heart God has got a hold of your heart because I shared my, my struggle and how Jesus t- took me out of that mud um, if you believe and confess that he is Lord you will be saved so here goes my, my own version of uh, leading you to Christ and if whoever wants that you can either get off your chair or raise your hand however you want but it's very important that you say it with your mouth. You confess it with your mouth. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of what's around. That's between you and him. Let, let them see that you are a child of God. So if anybody wanted to receive Christ.
0: Okay. Hey. That's fair enough right there, you asked. But let me ask you here this morning. How many of you know without a doubt that Jesus lives in your heart and he's Lord of your life? Wave at me right now in the name of Jesus. Kind of wave at me if you know that Jesus is in my heart. Amen. And let me just ask one more time. If you're here without Christ but would like to receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior. We're certainly not going to embarrass you, but I'll tell you, the, the Bible says that if we'll confess Jesus before men, he'll confess us before his father in heaven. And so it's just a matter of saying, Lord, I, 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 I believe and I receive. But if you're here this morning, you say, I, I, I want to receive Christ as my savior. I want to come back to God today. I want to ask you just to lift your hand real high, just so I can see it. You. Lift your hand real high so I can see it. You. Unless you're already saved. Lift your hand. Do I see a hand somewhere? I just make sure that everyone's saved here. All right. Now... It looks to me like we have we've got a congregation that's almost a hundred percent saved. I'm, I'm sure that it's almost a hundred percent saved. And how do you know? It's hard to get new believers saved again. Can I get a witness? Amen. So now that's all right. Give the Lord that we have a that we have a so many people that are saved. That's a wonderful thing. And. Let's pray now, and I want to just ask you to stand with me all across the auditorium. Let's pray now that the Lord is going to send us out into his harvest field to win more people to Christ. Just like Javier is doing with his testimony, how many know that God, in the same way that Paul, immediately he went and preached the gospel, right? That's what he did. Say it with me. Immediately, he went and preached the gospel, and I'd like to say, kind of a spirit here, immediately let's think about what we're going to do to preach the gospel all around our area because we are salt and light in our area so just uh, lift up your hands to the Lord and let's pray and uh, Lord we just love you so much, thank you Lord God for the powerful testimony that was shared by Javier this morning and and we just pray for Sergio as Sergio's watching right now and he's in that hospital bed, God we just pray that you'll mend up his leg completely thank you for saving it God, let him be made whole from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. And, Lord, heal him completely, we prayed in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Sergio. And you'll get to share your testimony one of these days as well. But, Lord, I just pray right now that you'll help us to be the witnesses that you've called us to be. God, let there be a reigniting of evangelism. Let there be a reigniting, Lord God, of our zeal and sharing uh, sharing you with others around our area. Lord, put it on our hearts to share Christ. Put it on our hearts when we walk into a Starbucks, we walk in for a coffee, Lord God, or that we meet with other people, Lord God, that the conversation will turn towards Christ and also turn towards salvation. I just pray that you'd make each one of us, Lord God, an evangelist and a soul winner for you. And we just pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. Pray this prayer right now, Lord Jesus, just as you use the Apostle Paul. Just as you're using Javier, I pray that you'll use me in your kingdom to win others to Christ. And I just pray it right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you believe that and receive it, give the Lord a great hand clap of praise. Would you do that? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to just uh, say that next Sunday I'm going to be sharing on A Nation in Need of Wisdom. And if we ever needed wisdom, we need wisdom right now. So that'll be next Sunday. We'll be speaking about A Nation in Need of Wisdom. We'll have a great Sunday together. And uh, we're also going to be praying for wisdom as well But and how wisdom comes and all of that. So be here for that. We're going to have a great day together. And I bless you today on this warm day. Uh, Have a great day out there and be safe. Let Let me just speak a blessing of you. Father in heaven, I speak your blessing. God, I pray right now that your word will be sealed in our hearts today. Lord, that you're still transforming lives and making us new creations in Christ. Lord, I just pray right now your blessing, your favor, your provision, your healing, and your peace over your people today. And I pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. So if you receive that blessing, say aloud, amen. Amen, and have a great day. We love you so much. God bless you. Thank you for joining us once again for this week's sermon podcast. We pray God's blessing on you as you face your day and week ahead. For more videos, messages, and other content, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe to all of our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at GoHarvestEG. And be sure to check out our website at GoHarvest.org for the latest information on events and services. Until next time, Stay encouraged and don't miss the opportunity to be a blessing to the world around you. God bless.